fantastic day. It is Saturday. It is October 7th. And I'll tell you what, I hope you have a fantastic weekend. We have had an action-packed show this entire week. It has been bonkers. The staff has been working overtime, getting stories done. We've had fantastic interviews. I mean, I got to interview Tucker Perkins. He is the CEO of the propane uh, council, and I mean, he's worldwide. He is phenomenal, a humanitarian, talking about net zero, absolutely wonderful, and also got to talk to Congressman Andy Ogles. The staff knocked it out of the park, turned it around in one day, and I mean, it is a fabulous podcast. And then uh, we have also, the staff has got ready another fantastic podcast. This one is with Steve Gorham. He is Green Energy. It is a wonderful book that he has written. It is a great one. It's It came out yesterday on Friday. So again, listen to all the stories. It has been wild. We've lost $10 in the oil market. We're getting it more coming back. We've got more things coming around next week. Hang tight. We're going to get more legislators on the podcast. We have other Big CEOs and Michael and I are getting ready to rumble for a lot of new things rolling out on the Energy Newsbeat, Energy Newsbeat website. Subscribe, like, share, tell your friends, tell your animals, and go save somebody today. Give them a hug. That's all you have to do. Have a great day. See you later. Hey, let's start with my buddy, Fink. Uh, I'll tell you, I'm not a BlackRock fan, and let's start here. No energy transition unless tech can make it cost competitive. BlackRock. Michael, I'm going to get into this story here, but let's set the stage for folks that have never heard of BlackRock. BlackRock, biggest fund manager in the world. Last year, for first half of the year, they lost $1.7 trillion because of their energy investing, their ESG investing into renewables, and they've lost it. Now, toward the end of 2022, we've seen the ESG investors, Michael, you have hit on this financially hard, and that is the fact that uh, investors are wanting their money back. So we're seeing an end to the ESG investment because they're tired of not getting their money. All well, right. It's become just a huge capital expense, much like the shale revolution for all the good that it did. It lit a lot of money on fire. ESG That's right. went, it's been the same thing. That's right. And so Larry Fink stood up there and made me airsick a lot, uh, espousing non-humanitarian things. Okay. Here's what he just talked about. Let's dive into this article. Quote, unquote, from Mr. Larry Fink, uh, he told uh, Bloomberg's Danny Berger, we are not going to have an energy transition unless we can find technologies to bring down the competitive cost of renewables. We cannot do that, Fink said, adding that BlackRock conducted a survey showing 57% of their global investors are planning to put more money into decarbonization technologies. Uh, here's another one. 
quote, we saw what happened with elevated energy prices just two years ago in Germany and Europe. You can't have a transition. He said, argued that when energy prices go up, emerging nations use more coal because life is more important than the future. Wow. Okay, I agree with all of that. Then his next quote, quote, we need to reimagine finance. That just sent a shimmy down my spine because Larry Fink is no friend of ours. Remember, nope. this guy sits on the board of directors of the World Economic Forums like you right. do. So you should talk to him about the next board meeting and say you were right up until you said we need to oh. reimagine finance. Because you know what that sounds like? They want more. Just give it all to me. Oh, yeah. See, they're they're now doing a little bit of a lean back in here. And this is going to tie into a couple of our other stories. And that is he's going, hey, I'm going to give you investors. You know, he's hanging out with Putin, too. I'm going to give you investors a little bit of food crumbs. I'm going to invest in energy and oil and gas. And my head's exploding with this hypocrisy that this knucklehead has got going on. Well, no, I think he's I think he's 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 clearly understands that. Oh, my goodness. If always understood if if energy. Well, let's just say let's give them the benefit of the doubt. At least now they're recognizing and they're not just pouring more. I mean, it only took them two years to figure out it took. It took shale companies 10 years to figure it out. It's kind of funny. So, you know, it only took them about two years of bad returns to be like, "Mm, let's course correct here. So all I'm saying is I'm a little spooked out when I hear guys like Larry Fink telling me we need to reimagine finance. Mm, We just maybe need to get a little bit, have give you a little bit less control so that the actual competitive markets can go about bringing down the cost of renewables, which is exactly right. We have to encourage the competitive environment in order to make things. I mean, there's a reason why, as he said, when energy prices go up, emerging nations use more coal. Well, why? Because it's cheaper. So, let me, so let me throw this right at up you. until the point where he creeps me out with his reimagining finance. Okay, Germany, uh, Germany, uh, I guess, is an emerging nation now because they've been losing all of their business since they've gotten rid of all of their uh, nuclear reactors. They have no reliable wind. They are now an emerging nation because they're using more coal. Uh, Sunak's family firm signed a billion dollar deal with BP before PM opened uh, new North Sea licenses. Okay. I'm going to set this article up and then we're going to do a deep dive into the article. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak last week, Michael, this was huge news. He stood up and then the rest of the world had dominoes going. He stood up and said, we're going to delay the EV, the cars, the EV, the net zero by five years. And then, Michael, you and I laughed about on our podcast last week. Boom, 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 boom. Snap, 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 snap. All the green heads just popping around the world, right? And then you had Shell come out and say, well, you know, we're going to back off and we're going to start drilling oil. And then everybody, I mean, it was a snowball around the world. Then this article came out this morning and it says, uh, in May, the Times of India reported that Infosys bagged a huge deal from the global energy company, which thought to be the second largest in the history. The Indian IT company is owned by the prime minister's mm-hmm. wife family, although Sunak insisted the matter is of no legitimate public interest. Okay. Right. <laughs> e- 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 
E, E, I mean, you know, it's also come to light that they've been involved with that. That same IT quote giant has been involved with 172 pounds, million pounds worth of public sector contracts in the UK. E. Okay. E. Um, e. Okay. Here's his, here's a quote down in there for him. You know, even though the prime minister did great things and he's trying to do what's right, graft is graft. And it's, you know, we don't have anybody in politics anymore. The PM said even the UK would still need oil and gas for 25% of its energy needs with the PM saying that power to Britain from Britain rather than the UK relying on foreign dictators for its energy supplies. I applaud the prime minister for that. And he goes on to further say in another quote, if we're going to need it, far better to have it here at home than shipping it from halfway around the world with two, three, four times the amount of carbon emissions versus the oil and gas we have here at home. Way to go, Prime Minister. Uh, I, I, I applaud him for that. And um, at least he needs to learn from the Biden administration. Set up exactly. 15. Hang on. Thank hang you. On. Go talk to Hunter. Go talk to Hunter, man. Set up 30 or 40 shell companies from your wife to you. Or you can learn from uh, Carrie when they said uh, your plane is emitting carbon emissions for cars. And he goes, I don't have no plane. My wife owned plane. Not me. My wife owned plane. Exactly. Me, no plane. Just right. don't leave your laptop at any random store. <laughs> Make sure to take that with you. So, okay. Oh, what a show. I had about six others and you had to boom them out though. Cause we I just were boomed gonna... one. Let's talk about China. We got to love, love us some China. China demands for oil and copper is booming, says Goldman Sachs. Hey, did they call you and ask to uh, have you come back in as their China representative? No, they haven't interviewed me for for Jeff Curry's old job. Um, I was a little <laughs> too bearish on my outlook. It was really like a one question where you see oil in 2024, and I didn't put 250. So oh, okay. I don't know yeah. if I'll be getting the job. Yeah, well, we're, we're having to really work on that. China's demand for many major commodities has been growing at quote unquote robust rates. According to Goldman Sachs, that could be very, very high uh, since they love what $250 oil. Is that what you said? Mm -hmm. their, their strength in demand has largely been tied to a combination of strong growth from the green economy and grid and property uh, completions. Now, Michael, the green economy, as defined by China, is making all of the green components for the other saps. I mean, excuse me, the other countries mm -hmm. in the world uh, to install. They're making hand over fist on making all the components. So now Goldman Sachs is also saying in here on the critical uh, minerals. The most significant strength has come on the renewable side where copper demand is up, Michael, 130% year on year. Man, anybody with a uh, business degree loves 130% increase year on year. Yeah, it's just going to mean that your, your prices are going to go up. And, you know, this isn't a surprise if you've been following the podcast or following what's going on in China. They're clearly using and stockpiling oil and stockpiling really critical minerals in order to really take themselves and, and allow them to do this quote unquote energy transition at the speed at which makes sense for them, which could be interesting. Again, Goldman Sachs, I don't think is jumping out here on a limb and saying something too crazy. 
The question is, where does this demand, what does this do to prices? Clearly, it didn't have any effect today because we saw prices down about 2.5% today. So again, yes, we're seeing a lot of Chinese demand from Goldman Sachs. Yay! Will it result in our $150 oil price? I don't know. Yeah, not sure. Not sure. But I'll tell you, the the more they can make money off of the renewables that are selling around the rest of the world, the more they're going to keep making them. And the more I want to get in on this renewables game and make some money. Uh, I'd rather go to bed at night and sleep proud that I'm not ruining kids' lives. Let's talk about uh, this study that just, uh, quote unquote, zapped Biden's plan. Oh, you bet. Hey, a new study zaps Biden's plan to transform the electrical grid. You know, I do a pretty good Biden imitation. I mean, excuse me, Putin imitation. I can do a pretty good Biden imitation, too, but so can my wall. So okay. I was just sleeping. That was my Biden impression. <laughs> just taking a quick nap. There you go. Okay. They believe simply they can implement laws and regulations and executive orders and provide hundreds of billions in subsidies. Yep. And voila, the green <laughs> energy transformation will proceed on schedule with no supply chain disruptions, blackouts, escalating costs, or economic and environmental consequences. <laughs> All right. Well, what's this study say? It says absolutely no way. It says there are no there is no data actually supporting concerns about more frequent intense hurricanes or tornadoes. The U.S. electric utility industry's Electric Power Research Institute concludes that the industry simply cannot reach net zero in generating electricity. So-called clean energy sources give the electrification not a sufficient by themselves to reach net zero. <laughs> now, if you don't trust the, the electrical industry's own lobbying firm, which rightfully so, you know, they're they're paid to say electricity is going to be scarce. Listen to what Mark Christie said, who is the energy commissioner for FERC, which is the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, he's recently told Quanguis, and this is a quote, the problem is not the addition of wind and solar. The problem is a subtraction of coal, gas, and other dispatchable resources that we need during this transition. The grid has been powered. The grid has to be powered, being fed into every second of every minute of every hour of every day to keep the lights on, which is a, in my opinion, highlights the entire problem that we've been dealing with here is that we need more dispatchable things to make sure that the lights on of every second, of every minute, right. of every hour, of every day. And, and the article goes on uh, a little bit earlier in there, Michael, to actually say, um, and then all of the coal and natural gas plants were always ready. They were near the population. And like in Texas, they had to spend the $3 billion to bring the, the grid from West Texas to East Texas. They didn't want to have everybody move from Dallas to Midland. You know, nobody wants to do that. Who, who wants to do that? Um, <laughs> Ireland rejects LNG terminal project on climate grounds. I find this one kind of funny because the board refused to hear any more about the LNG uh, import facility because it's the first Ireland's probably the first country to deny an LNG facility based on climate as opposed to local environment uh, opposition, according to Jonathan Stern. He is a research fellow at Oxford Institute for Energy Studies. But uh, here's what they're wanting to do. They're not wanting to bring in an import facility 
because they want to continue using their renewables. But Ireland also was the same country that had some of their wind farms being powered by diesel generators. And LNG is being uh, touted around the rest of the world as being able to save consumers money as well as working with wind farms. So I'm not understanding why they're not wanting to do this. Key part of this article is U.S. LNG developer New Fortress Energy had sought to build a floating terminal in Ireland for LNG imports, which would supply a 600 megawatt power plant. It is not going to get approved is what it looks like. So as we take a look at gas uh, and the countries will be eyeing the renewable strategy now, Ireland expects to increase its current off onshore wind capacity of 4.9 gigawatts, 4.59 gigawatts to 6 gigawatts by 2025. Ireland is still aiming for a variety of clean power resources to meet 80% of its energy needs by 2030. Currently, renewable energy only represents 37%. Based off of all of the rest of the world and the amount that renewables and they cannot support it, uh, let's watch Ireland and see if they can actually make this happen. Consumers for Ireland any good, this will be one to watch. 